0: The Blast from Our Past Network.
1: Welcome to Podcasting After Dark Presents Interviews After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the authors of TCM Underground 50 Must See Films from the World of Classic Cult and Late Night Cinema, Millie DeChirico. And Quitoya Murray.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark presents Interviews After Dark. This month, we have a very, very special discussion for you all. We have the two authors of TCM Underground, 50 must-see films from the world of classic cult and late night cinema. We have authors Millie DeChirico and Katoya Murray. Ladies, how's it going?
2: Fabulous. Thank Hello. you guys for having us.
0: <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
1: I gotta say, when when we found out your book was coming out, Corey and I offline said, we need to get Millie and Katoya on our show because this book is right in our wheelhouse it's everything that we're about and then we got an advanced copy of your book and oh my gosh i was salivating at the content that you guys put in this thing seriously like yeah both of you millie and katoya uh you know just really blew us away
2: oh thank you so much
0: it's a great looking book. Uh, beautiful pictures. It's got a nice, you know, nice weight to it. I like a good weighty, you know, book. It's a good coffee table book. Also good That's to hit right. somebody with.
2: <laughs> but, uh, exactly, exactly.
0: But you all have some really fantastic, you know, deep cuts and and everything and and whatnot uh, in this book, and we're going to get to all of that. But can we get some background on on both of you, uh, Toya? What what is your background?
2: Uh, My background is I am a film writer. Um, I've been writing film reviews and just for myself, uh, my my blog name is The Cinephiliac, but I also have written for Movie Boozer, Pretty Clever Films, uh, kind of all over the place. I've been writing for about 15 years now. Um, So, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. I was lucky enough to get into TCM about uh, six years ago and I started working with this wonderful woman and just last year during the pandemic we kind of got approached to to write this book and this was something I was a huge TCM underground fan for years so when I first got to TCM and I met Millie and found out she's you know the, the underground queen I immediately kind of like Panicked a little bit of like, oh my god! I'll do anything you want me to do for Underground, Uh, and I kind (laughs) of did. I started doing any and everything I could to support Underground. Uh, We got a lot of cool screenings uh, in Atlanta because we're both Atlanta-based. Well, uh, Millie was not at the time, but I was. Um, So yeah, we got a couple of great screenings done uh, uh, because of TCM Underground uh, in you know promotion of TCM Underground, and so yeah, I've just been a champion for the, the the cult world. Ever, ever since. Um, it's been a, a, a favorite of mine since I was a child. I never really knew what cult movies were, like that they were a genre of film necessarily, probably up until college. And I was like, oh, so all these weird movies, they're called cult movies that I like. Okay, cool. That's what that is. So it's just really cool that there's a, a group of people that, you know, all love these, these movies as well. And so it's just been an honor to get to work on the book and get to work with Millie with it. but currently right now I am in Paris, France. So (laughs) I I, I left America to go to school to learn more about film and just to be a nerd that gets to live in France and talk to French people about movies. So jealous. That's awesome. How how (laughs) are you liking it over there? Oh, I adore it. It's uh, I, I constantly tell people it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And then every time I say that, something else happens that makes it the truly the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So trying to get the language, trying to get my life adjusted. But I've been here for a year now, and I'm trying to stay for good. And I, I absolutely adore it. I plan to live here for as long as the government will allow me.
1: Wow. Wow.
3: We told her to never come home. basically. <laughs> wait a minute. You can come so... visit, but don't don't come back.
1: Just yeah. <laughs> wait. So, That's Millie, Millie, you're now based in Atlanta, and you weren't prior. So, Toya, were you like, okay, you fill my spot, Millie? You, you know, you're. I'm leaving. I'm going to Paris, and Millie, you just fill in as the queen of <laughs> cult cinema. <laughs> Millie, tell us your background a little bit.
3: Um, well, so um, I started at TCM in 2004, so I've been there for a long time. That's um, great. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> sometimes it feels like I just started, and other times it definitely feels like I've been there for almost 20 years. Um, <laughs> uh, I essentially w- was, you know, interested in programming. I had worked in radio and was a DJ and was kind of like working in music sort of. And, but I had studied film and I've just loved cult movies since I was in high school. And um, when I got the opportunity, after I graduated from my undergrad film program, I was like thinking I'd probably go into music or something. Uh, but that was kind of around the collapse of the music industry as it were like a like the Napster era I'm like aging myself I'm sorry thanks Uh, (laughs) LimeWire but I had always loved movies too and I was definitely interested in programming um and so I got the opportunity to come work at TCM and um in the programming department and it was um yeah it was just such a incredible experience and Um, in 2006 I got the opportunity to work on underground which had just they just launched it it was a a idea that was uh, presented by this former TCM employee Eric Weber and um, he left uh, the network shortly after but um, I have been programming it ever since and so yeah I've been I I program underground and then program uh, with my colleagues the rest of the network so um my uh, my programming is peppered throughout the schedule like weekend daytime for example is probably probably something i programmed or nice. i work with um eddie muller and alicia malone on on their franchises norrelly and, and imports and um come up with themes and stuff for the regular schedule but obviously my passion is for underground and (laughs) um over the course of the years you know just been you know hammering away on that programming but also then during the pandemic we uh including Toya we had the opportunity to um kind of uh start this uh YouTube series called TCM Slumberground which was essentially a way for us at the network to hang out I would say it was kind of an opportunity for us to kind of hang out and gab about cult movies. And then we just kept it going. So now that's something that we all still work on and Toya pops in from time to time on episodes, even though she's in France. And um, yeah, so that's, that's been pretty much my, my life up until the book. So Wow.
0: We should probably just really quick clarify what TCM is just for those out there who don't, who might not actually know what we're talking about. So can you give like sort of an overview of what TCM Underground is and where you can find it? Not the book, but, you know, the actual show. And the
3: everything. franchise. Yeah, the franchise. Yeah, so TCM Underground is like a late night cult movie showcase that comes on the cable channel Turner Classic Movies. Friday nights, technically Saturday mornings on the East Coast, um, 2 a.m., uh, and of course on the west coast it comes on much earlier but it's basically our repository for kind of late night weird cult movie fair um and yeah i mean it basically it comes on it's usually double featured so it's like a 2 a.m and a 4 a.m movie on the east coast and we try to throw in some cool short films in between and um yeah, and and it's been around since 2006, so it's been going for a long time.
0: Yeah, so so those of us at a, who are a certain age, this is kind of replaced USA up all night type of stuff, like sort of replaced that niche in everything. <laughs> That's an honor that
2: you just said that, by the way. I'm like, <laughs> no, I 100% agree. I 100% <laughs> agree. This is why I've always loved TCM Underground, though. I, I tell people that it's the, you know, it's, it's like the adult swim of Cartoon Network. It's the TCM Underground, is that for Turner Classic movies. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, both Millie and myself grew up watching Up All Night, you know, and, and, and you know, shows like that, like programming blocks like that. So I think this is, it's just a, a very happy coincidence that we get to, kind of do this and kind of continue that tradition.
1: Yeah, I've been watching TCM's Underground since its inception. Uh, I remember as a film student way back when, like just loving Robert Osborne and seeing his segments and just falling in love with the channel and just being... Just really just like wanting to just listen to these guys talk the whole time and then getting introduced to TCM, under, TCM Underground and going, whoa, there's some great stuff here. It's not just in film school. They say, oh, the cult movies, we're, we're going to talk about Touch of Evil. And i are like, wait, that's that's not the only cult-ish movie that yeah. we can talk about here, even though I love Touch of Evil. But, you know, it got more and more deeper. And Like, I think that's the first time I saw Spider Baby was on Underground, you know, and just really got turned on to a bunch of new content. And Corey and I both were living in L.A. around that time, uh, going to a, a theater down here called New Beverly Cinema that's now owned by Quentin Tarantino. And he would show his grindhouse nights and more gritty stuff and uh, just having that compliment outside of TCM Underground. And that that market, that niche you found to carry on the tradition of shows like USA up all night or you know I'm, I'm from Michigan Detroit and so we had a uh, Thriller TV which mm-hmm. was like hosted by this really creepy I forget his name now but it had that, like double features in the afternoon of, of like children shouldn't play with dead things or the changing yeah. or something like that right yeah. and so that's the stuff I grew up on and had that continued as an adult which is fantastic so here we are with your book it is the perfect complement to TCM. And not everybody has Turner Classic movies. So if they don't, to have the opportunity to get this book is fantastic.
2: Definitely. And I think that that's uh, one of the major reasons that we uh, we started TCM slumber ground during the pandemic you know it definitely was a hey you know let's get together and hang out and talk about these movies that we love but it was also this recognition that everybody doesn't get TCM uh, you know because of rights issues because of channels all of that stuff you know there are people on the west coast we have we do multiple festivals throughout the year with TCM uh we go and we meet people who are huge classic movie fan fans and they're like oh well I can't get TCM you know so it's that that made it you know we just kind of put our brains together to figure out well you know how can we serve the, the cult audience knowing that especially you know we're from a generation of cable cord cutters and so That's people right. are moving away from cable anyway so we just figured, you know YouTube is the next best thing let's just get on there and talk about these movies and so yes so now we have tcm Slumberground comes on at least once a month on the the youtube channel and it's just a way of kind of introducing people more into the tcm underground world and just hoping to create a dialogue that way yeah do
0: you find uh do you find that your your audience is around like sort of our age Uh, that's what we tend to find for podcasting after dark Um, But we do have some younger generation uh, folks coming in and and finding us. And I I hear back, like feedback, some of the appeal that, you know, we have as older folks is that we actually got to see a lot of these movies like in the theater and all that kind of stuff. Um, But do you do you find that the YouTube channel is reaching a younger audience being on that platform and maybe some of these cult movies that they never would have heard of uh, is reaching, you know, some of younger, younger people?
2: I'll, I'll speak. Sorry, you go ahead, Millie. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I speak to
3: the YouTube stuff because yeah. I admittedly know less. That's me being our age is that I'm like, <laughs> how, how do we know the information about YouTube? But right. Toya has worked in that world, so I'll let her answer yeah.
2: So yeah, which is really funny because with me showing my age, I'm I'm a <laughs> millennial, so I YouTube is is my world. But when I was at TCM, that was primarily what I did. I was the editorial manager, and I also was the YouTube channel um, uh, manager. So my job, of course, is looking at the back end of everything, trying to figure out what videos, you know, are people responding to. What videos do we need to be creating? So I'm really proud of the work that I put into YouTube. But I I saw there were There's a good amount of younger people. I wouldn't say... I, we don't have general Zers to my knowledge. I'm sure we probably do, but who knows if they comment or not? Maybe that's not a Gen Z thing. I don't know. But um, uh, surprisingly more uh, older people, older than the Gen X generation, because so many of these people are TCM fans that they come to the YouTube channel and maybe they'll start with a, an archival interview from, you know, Farley Granger or something like that. And they somehow nice. find their way watching a video about Black Christmas. And they're just like, I never new TCM showed these movies. This is incredible. So it's been really cool seeing how much we've introduced people in different you know, age ranges to it. Uh, And currently right now, you know, when I, when I came to Paris, I uh, went to graduate school. I just got done. So I, I have a lot of younger people in my classes. I am the older of the, 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 the cool kids that hangs out. I just drink a lot. That's the only thing, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, but of those younger kids, I'm introducing them to a lot of movies that they've never heard of. You know, they, cult is different for at least the people that I know who call themselves movie fans. Fans who are Gen Zers? Colt is a different; it means different things for them. So I'm introducing them to this this kind of 80s, 90s, 70s world that you know we're we're used to.
0: And that's something that Zach and I have never actually had a discussion on air. And I think this would be a great time. Yeah. What do you consider? a cult movie and, and you, toy, you just said it's different for different people yeah. but like how do you kind of figure what f- falls into the cult movie status as far as TCM goes and and the world you know the, the waters that we're swimming in here uh Millie like what what is your definition what are you looking for or at least like is it like what is it the the court's version of porn like I know it when I see it type of thing
3: <laughs> well I mean I think that kind of at the core of it it's cult movies are are movies that people feel like an extreme amount of passion for. Um, and, you know, for, for various reasons, you know, um, either they think it's funny or, I mean, I just, I, I really do think that it is passion because, you know, um, fandom is such a huge part of this world. And I feel like, you know, how like there's this difference between somebody who just like liked a movie or whatever, and then somebody who just like really liked a movie and whatever that movie is. Um, I feel like that's a, a huge part of, of cult the cult experience. But I don't know. I mean, I think it, I think it's interesting though to think about it in terms of the generations because so much of what I grew up on as a cult, like when I was a kid and I was being presented like cult movies, it was this Canada films, right? That was sort of like, all right, you start with like your Herschel Gordon Lewis and your John Waters. And then you move into like maybe Italian giallo movies and cannibal movies. And then you get into like, you know, just sort of the weird American stuff, something weird video. And, you know, and so I kind of went through that whole indoctrination process of, of uh, primarily sort of almost like independent films um, from like the fifties, sixties and seventies. Um, and so, and I think that that's because, you know, I'm a child of the eighties and nineties. And so, you know, the people that I was looking towards for, that like cultural information, like all of the people that worked at re- record stores and video stores and wrote books and um, were presenting weird movies on TV, they were all like 20 years older than me or something. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was the, of their generation. So, you know, I think that to Toy's point, I think that the idea of cult movies is changing a lot. I, I don't think it's strictly now a sort of like, you know, horror movie thing or like what people would think a cult movie is is just like some extremely violent or extremely sexual thing. Sometimes, you know, cult movies are, you know, weird melodramas or, you know, something a little less um, in the exploitation realm and maybe something else, uh, which I feel like is something that is a more recent phenomenon and not as much as something that I was presented with when I was like 17. If you know
0: what I mean. And it's, and they can change over time too, because, you know, we find now, especially like on, on Instagrams when we do most of our promotion and we kind of talk to people and, you know, you know, as well as I do, like 25 years ago, maybe John Carpenter's the thing or the fog or assault on precinct 13. Those were all cult movies because a lot of people had never seen them, but over time, John Carpenter's become so mainstream. So many people have discovering him, yeah. which is awesome. But does that shift him and his movies like The Thing was the ultimate cult classic film in the 90s? You know, if you knew The Thing, you were cool. Now, pretty much everyone has seen The Thing. So the question is, is that still a cult movie now?
3: Yeah, I think about that with Night of the Living Dead, because at, at the very beginning of Underground, you know, we... I mean, we were trying, I think at, at the very beginning, we were just trying to establish the tone of what the franchise was. And so we were going through all of those like classic midnight movies, like Eraserhead and especially like Night of the Living Dead, which at the time was a cult film and was stuff that you could see at midnight in movie theaters. And I feel like now Night of the Living Dead is a classic film. I feel like it, it, it plays now in the regular schedule on TCM. Um, I mean, it's, it's got so many like historical moments and it's, it's been kind of recontextualized to, um, you know, so it's not just some kind of like depraved zombie movie that weirdos are watching. It's like on the criterion channel and, you know, it's in museums and it's being presented by like, you know, kind of like hoity toity folks. And so I feel like to your point, I think that's kind of what's happened with a lot of, you know, old cult movies, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like, you know, a, a criterion to put out Repo Man on Blu-ray. So it's like, is Repo Man, exactly. a, you know, a, a cult movie now? So yeah, it's interesting. I'm sorry I cut you off, Toya.
2: No, you're, you're fine. You're fine. I think, yeah, I think that the the word cult, I, and I just love it to describe a, a film anyway. I just think it's just such a cool word, and the, you know, us ha- having grown up with it as a term to usually kind of mean these, like, offbeat, off-the-beaten-path types of movies. Uh, I think, though, that that is just a very amorphous term, and it's going i'd be interested to see what how the conversation changes over the next decade because i think the the medium has a lot to do with it i think that from our generations and before it was how can these kind of hard to find films of they were it's like a rite of passage you know you look you got to hunt down this vhs tape because this movie did so poorly or did not get you know the, the the justice it was supposed to get during its time that maybe the distribution is off so you know you can't really find it anywhere. So it's one of those, you got to, or you find a bootleg copy that someone else has, or you you go on eBay, which I've done scoured eBay for, you know, different region movies and try to yeah. figure out how can I play this. And I just think now in a world where everything is so easily accessible in some way or another, Uh, even though, you know, they they definitely aren't, it's very hard to find, but if you're a person of the internet, you know how to find movies if you want to find movies. So I think that now as that changes, there's more and more films that are considered, you know, cult, because when I was first, you know, an undergrad, uh, the the, the conversation, everybody loved, you know, Fight Club. That's definitely a cult movie that in itself, you know, created one of the most, you know, passionate Fan groups at the time and, you know, people fighting, creating their own fight clubs to imitate the movie. And, you know, now you have something as even something as big budget as, you know, James Cameron's Avatar, the the passion that that fan base has of repeatedly seeing these movies, they have the same way of watching these movies that a cult fan of the eighties who's trading videotapes would. So I just think it'll be a very interesting conversation over the next you know, decade or so to see how that word changes and what it means for different things.
0: And availability plays into that as well, yeah. because growing up yeah. in the eighties, you know, I would have assumed that Cocoon would have been available for the rest of my life on every platform <laughs> and every format. But now you're yeah. like, you can't find like Cocoon like anywhere streaming, and I don't even know if there's a Blu-ray out there. And it's like, but that's Cocoon, like it, like yeah. that was such a huge movie. So are we going to see a flip side to that coin and see movies that may have been mainstream at one point become cult later on due to availability? And to your point, Toya, I think that's it'll be interesting to sort of watch that evolve over time because I think the word the word cult is an evolutionary thing. Like, you know, calling something cult, I think it's gonna be an evolutionary thing over time.
2: I always have to find a a plug for my love for James Spader, but this is another reason of of how cult changes over time and what becomes available because, For some reason during the pandemic, I got very obsessed with James Spader and I am currently still on track to watch every single movie he's ever done. So, but that has been way harder than I thought because so many of his movies are hard to find. So many of, he did a lot of these just kind of offbeat 80s, 90s movies. uh, And so I've through that found people who you know were trading servers even of just like hey I have this movie on my server here's my login do this so I mean even just something like you know he did this movie called White Palace with Susan Sarandon it's you know not a lot of people know or care about that movie but it has a cult fan base because there is a group of you know young women who can't really find this physically or one person had a physical copy and they ripped it so it's just this like passionate fan base who love loves, you know, Spader and is all trying to, oh, this is how you can watch, you know, star or this is how you can watch all these, you know, random movies that he did. And I love that. I think that that's a cool way of recontextualizing what cult is just because that's where the passion comes in. If you love these movies so much, you're going to dig for them. You're going to find out where they are. You're going to talk to people about it. You're going to ask everybody that you know, you're going to go down these rabbit holes. And I think that that's the, the fun and the beauty of what cult
1: Well, you brought up really bringing up James Spader on our show is 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 huge because we've covered New Kids and we've covered Tough Turf, so yeah, uh, And Jack's back will probably come down the pipe. I love Jack's back. So do we, right? And Cynthia Gibbs, I think, in that as well. And um, you know, when when you know, Millie, you brought up uh, something weird video, and I remember seeing those in the in the back uh, catalog of like critic critics' choice video catalogs, right? In the back, they'd have a Uh something weird section. But now we have these uh, boutique Blu-ray companies like Vinegar Syndrome and Severin and um – Uh, and code you know, red and stuff. Plus like editions, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And then even Kino Lorber, it, you know, mm-hmm. really gets. Th- fortunately for Kino Lorber, we have tough turf in a pristine edition of turf. Yeah. Tough turf. I think Mill um,
0: Creek uh, gave us uh, the new kids, which is, an, I love those uh, Mill Creek uh, uh, VHS slip covers. I just got my uh, replacement killers just for that uh, VHS style slip cover. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And you and you guys all bring up really good points of like what what makes the cult movie, or sometimes if something's so bad it becomes it considered a cult movie I like to call it a subcategory like a masterpiece you know it's so bad yeah. it's, it's a, right that's instead great. of yeah, a cult yeah, movie because I associate cult movies with like you know I, I remember the Warriors no one knew about yeah. 20 years yeah. ago but now everybody knows about the Every- Warriors. Hell, there's
0: a video game made of the Warriors you know yeah.
1: right yeah. and and it's become especially in like the hip-hop community and in the, in the mm-hmm. graffiti art community it's really become like one of their Holy grail films. Right. Um, but, but your book specifically, uh, the 50 must see films, you chose 50 movies for this book, which must've been really, really freaking hard (laughs) to figure out what movies go in this top. Well, not top 50, but 50 must sees, right? Right. Can you talk a little bit about the process of how you selected these 50 films? Millie, do you want to, you want to go into that?
3: Sure. So, um, you know, I think that, I think to be honest with you, I don't know, I won't speak for Toya entirely, but, um, I think that we had pretty a pretty easy time with picking the ones we wrote about, but it was really mostly about like, how do you like, what are, what are the boundaries of what you can pick? Right. And so Part of it was that we wanted to put together an entire list of all of the movies that had aired on the franchise, which I've actually been keeping a record of on Letterbox for several years. And it was just sort of like, here's everything that's ever played. So we put it in, put it in a document and we're like, Oh my God, there's like over 400 movies here. That's crazy to think about. But wow. then going through it and just kind of seeing like what stood out to us. I mean, for me personally, I think part of like what I gravitated towards what were, were movies that, you know, obviously were something, were things that I just wanted to think about and write about, right, um, but also that they were primarily movies that I thought had not been kind of part of this, like, canon conversation, mm-hmm. you know, that were just sort of, like, okay, like, we could, like, write about Eraserhead and Pink Flamingos, like, all of these things that have been mm-hmm. sort of, like, out there in the world, or, maybe it's an opportunity for me to go really hard on a movie like remember my name which is a movie that is not it's not a horror film it's not an action film but it is like this kind of quirky you know um relationship drama but also has um you know a distribution problem like people haven't seen it very much because it's not been out there in the home video worlds and stuff um and you know maybe that changes but you know it felt like an underground type of film because it just hadn't been seen very much which goes back to the you know accessibility issue which i think is very fascinating i think that is a, a fascinating component to what makes a movie a cult movie but um but yeah so for me it was just sort of like well what would i like to write about what do I think needs like a spotlight and then also just seeing the movies like in a list and going oh well here are movies that are a lot of these movies are made by like women and people of color and Mm -hmm. lgbtq directors and and feature like those types of stories which I think is probably related to who toy and I are as people Mm -hmm. and so there was just that whole notion of it it was just sort of like what what do I think is important and and should be called a cult film and and is something that I want to focus on.
2: Yeah, and I think we got um, a very, we got a very interesting like kind of way of being able to do it because, you know, we kind of got the green light to write this book and it was A little bit, a little too much freedom at the beginning of just you know, you guys know cult movies, right? About you know whatever top fifty. So that was a conversation of just like, oh my god, like that. You know, what is cult? What is the you know? So how can we? calm down and say what is the 50 greatest. We didn't we knew we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to quantify it by saying what's great and what's not. We didn't want to to be redundant because that's been done before. That's a that is a constant, you know, we we both grew up, all of us, I'm sure, you know, have grown up reading books about it, seeing lists that, you know, every year that come online of is the greatest, you know, you should whatever, all of that. And I think for us it just it made more sense to just look at TCM Underground as a franchise since that has been carried, that has been doing the heavy lifting for the past, you know, what, 15 years, you know, of just being the the place for cult movies. Um, and so, yeah, we just decided to look at TCM Underground and yeah. I mean, as Millie mentioned, it was, you know, over 400 films, but it was kind of easy for us to just separately, because we decided to split it 25, 25. And it was easy for us to just look at it and go, these are the movies that I'm, that I know I'm passionate about. I'd love to spend the next, you know, month, two months, however long we, you know, we're writing this book, researching, doing, you know, rewatching these movies, breaking them down. And so that was the fun part. The fun part was getting to just, Talk about these movies that we were already, you know, separately and commonly like, you know, passionate about and then getting to just gush over them. And then when we kind of came together with our initial list, it was so diverse and random of just like, oh, but this fits because, you know, we're completely different people with our own different backgrounds and way of approaching movies. But, you know, I've I've been saying to Millie, it's like, it felt like a left brain, right brain situation where like, (laughs) she picked the things that I was like, oh my God, those are fantastic. Some I haven't even seen before. And I picked things that, uh, you know, that were completely very, you know, general to my nature. And then there was a few, like, we only had a few that we overlapped on. And so, you know, we just compromised. Of okay who's going to talk about that one and then and then we wrote it and it was it was great to read each other's for the first time when we sent each other our first draft of what our first movie was and it was like oh yeah that's exactly how i kind of wrote mine cool so we just it flowed very very perfectly
1: (laughs) that's so cool yeah you have moments in this book that like you said millie there are some like mainstream kind of dramas that definitely deserve to be spotlighted or spot lit i guess i should say uh but then there's ones uh, of course like genre cult movies like The Brood, right, or, or mm-hmm. Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, which is a personal favorite of mine, and one that will pop up on pad, by the way, down the road, Woo-hoo. we'll b- break down that movie <laughs> scene by scene. But then yes. of course, Xanadu, and like, you cover every gamut, which is so brilliant. It's so accessible, I think, to a wide audience, you know, you have it's some not of the
0: dry, it's very, it's full of life, the text is full of life.
1: Totally, like your, you know, WTF Thanks. moments or your OMG moments and sprinkled throughout. It's really a great and I love that it's must see versus greatest. Yeah, because that's the thing. I have a stack of like 50 greatest books by or 50 greatest movies by Entertainment Weekly or Premiere magazine put out their hundred lists way back when. But then it changes over time because what is great to you versus someone else is so relative. Right. And and so the but must see is like, no, if if you've seen it, you know, but here's something if you haven't seen it, you got to check this out.
0: And that's what I love about your book. And you don't put them in like order, like alphabetical order. You actually um, break them into categories. Um, and I'll just read off what the categories are for everybody out there, which is great because we find this a lot with podcasts after dark that people are, Oh, you're a horror podcast, right? No, we're a cult movie podcast. We do comedies, we do drama, we do action, but we do horror usually what gets us the most attention. Um, but I love, I loved seeing this because I was like, yes, you all get it. It's not just horror films as both of you have. Said multiple times, it's not just horror films. But, um, uh, first one is It's Crime Time. Then we have Domestic Disturbances. Uh, each one has a handful about uh, eight uh, uh, movies under each one. Uh, then we have Fright Club, Rebellion, and Youth Movements and visual delights and other strange mind melters in there you have stuff like mac and me and the garbage bell kids
3: fantastic but
0: (laughs) how did you guys come up with just the categories you know what i mean the category names and everything
3: um actually i i think it was probably a collabo between the toy and i to come up with the names but um i think when we looked at our lists you know we were like let's try to put some of these things, some of these movies have like themes, you know, and uh, we kind of went from there. I mean, I think that we were just sort of thinking like, what's a good way to organize the book? I think we, I think I actually, to be completely honest with you, I was like, why don't we just do it alphabetically? And everyone's like, no, that's not a good way to do it. And I'm so glad they said
0: <laughs> this um, is so much more fun. This is such a more fun yeah. way to sort of engage with the content. Yeah. That's what an index is for, by the way.
3: Yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And It allows know, you to like... just kind of pop around. It, it's yeah. really like, I mean, this term is used a lot, but it's a vibe. Like, it's like, you know, I feel yeah. like there are, there are vibes to these movies. Yeah. And maybe that's the way people want to experience going through a book like this now, which is like, cool, we did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there there are certain ones, like, I feel like, um, Fright Club. I feel like that is primarily Toya. I feel like all, those are a lot of her entries because she's a big <laughs> horror fan. And I will say that I feel like the Domestic Disturbances one is a lot of me because <laughs> I gravitate towards those types of films, like the weird melodramas and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I I I think it's really fun. It was really fun to categorize them because it allowed us to sort of like, you know, put like films together. It was just, it was fun. To-
2: to do. Yeah. And we're, we're both very thematic people. Like, you know, we, we, you know, Millie's the programmer for TCM Underground. She, I mean, not even TCM Underground, a lot of, a good chunk of TCM, like a good chunk of what you see on TCM is Millie. And of course our amazing, you know, programming team, like great people, but everybody there works thematically. Like, you know, they, that they're fun. They have fun creating themes. You know, there, when I was there, there'd be emails sometime going around or just side chats in the hall way of like, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, making a 311 day just as a joke, because it's, you know, whatever, what movies can fit this theme. And so they would just, you know, people just have their creative ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And I love to make lists. And when I was at TCM, I was was very uh, heavy into the marketing copy. That was my job to write marketing copy. So I love a kitschy punny situation. So that was just like, that was kind of one of the, the more the fun parts that i didn't expect to like was naming them putting them in little be- like buckets and figuring out you know the crime time that still cracks me up it's crime time <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know fright club like i just still love that i still love that we got to do that and then you know domestic disturbances. is just these great ways of kind of putting these things together and yeah to millie's point um our personality definitely shows in the movies that we picked and kind of the 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 bucket of movies that that we did, but we were also very cognizant not to you know belabor it of you know, Millie loves, you know, the domestic melodramas of the the past, but you know, that's not all of her entries. You know, there's right. a few that I took and vice versa. So we we did a I think that we were very just cognizant of making sure that just because we love all of these doesn't mean that everything should be in this section or in this book yeah. because we wanted to make sure that we were talking about movies that a lot of people have over like truly have overlooked over the years um you know for instance a movie that I picked is this movie called MMA which for the longest had been classified as exploitation, and I constantly tell people that it's a huge disservice to the movie because I view it as a coming of age movie so if you go into these movies expecting this because of What some list said once upon a time of somebody who may not have really even watched it or got it, then you're kind of missing the point of what makes these movies great. And I think that that's the beauty of what we got to do with writing this was to show people from our perspectives why we love these movies so much and why they have been overlooked. Or how,
0: yeah. And as somebody who spent a lot of time at horror conventions and whatnot, just going through the the bootleg, you know, VHSs and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're never in any kind of order. This felt like perfect. Like I feel like I'm as I'm going through this book, it feels the same as me sort of just looking through all those old VHS tapes back in the day. And it's such a collection. It's it gets my my imagination going, it gets my it raises my interests for a lot of these films. A lot of them I have not seen as as listeners of the show know, Zach is the the knowledge bank of our show. I I'm more of the mainstream uh, cult guy, but it's every you know it's all about everyone's personal you know preferences and everything like that. But yeah, this this book it gives me that vibe, you know, gives me that vibe, that smell of being in the the dealer's room, you know, I'm like, oh yeah. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's also the perfect size book where I can also hand it to somebody and be like, Hey, borrow this, go look through it, read what you want to read. You don't have to read every entry, just pick the ones that, that, that seem interesting to you. And I like that as well, is that it's not, It's not numbered. You can jump to the horror section you want. You can jump to the domestic disturbances, you know, if you want and stuff like that. Whatever sort of gravitates, you know, towards you and everything. I like how it's all set up.
1: Well, and I, I think, uh, like you brought up MMA, I, I would say the same with Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, where that box art uh, labeled it a certain way for decades. And I, I, I would say, Millie, maybe even up till today, people see that art and they think, oh, it's a slasher movie. Right. But it's there's so much more depth to these movies. I think about, you know, I brought up Tough Turf earlier. Tough Turf, people would say, well, how do you label that movie? Oh, it's an action movie. Well, not really. Oh, it's a thriller. Well, not really. Oh, it's a comedy. Oh, not really. It's a musical. Like, there's all these subcategories, right? Yeah. So Butcher Baker, you take that movie and you go, well, this has so much more layers to it. I, I jumped immediately to that movie when I opened up your book, by the way, because it, it's a movie that I feel oftentimes does get overlooked for the same reason MMA, MMA may get, you know, put in another category. These movies, Then that's the whole beauty of cult. It's so yeah. It's so much more than just that one label. And I think yeah. that's very relevant to today, yeah. more so today maybe than any other time, of putting a label on something can really alienate, right? And yeah. then this is not, this is doing the complete opposite. It's opening up a world to people who might go, oh, okay, well, well I'll check it out now.
2: Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah.
3: That, yeah, that, yeah. that's
2: what that's what we wanted. <laughs> right on.
3: Yeah, no, I, and to your point about Butcher Baker Nightmare, maybe, I mean, I, I just talked about this a couple days ago. In fact, I feel like, I think we're in this, uh, this era right now where people are kind of like reexamining films and pretty much everything. Um, and, you know, like, I, like you, I was presented that film as a slasher, as like a, you know, yeah. violent, horrible slasher film. But when you like really distill it, you're like, oh, this is actually more about like, you know, it's like a a woman's story almost in a weird way. You know what I mean? And, you know, I gotta be honest. I feel like part of that is just sort of like people maybe being smarter about films now. I mean, I think when I was in high school, I just wanted to see, anything that was weird and transgressive and crazy. And I was like, just put me in front of cannibal Holocaust, man. I just want to yeah. <laughs> be weird. And like, you know, when I was young and I just didn't have the, like prefrontal <laughs> cortex to totally. really process things. And so it was that thing where I was like, now that I'm an older person, you know, it is interesting to go back and see and see these some of these movies that were just presented as like these these crazy things, and then now being able to like I don't know think about them in a different way. I mean, granted, when I rewatch the Garbage Pail Kids movie, I was like, <laughs> it's still the garbage. You know, like I mean, maybe there is something else there. And I did I did watch it again and go, okay, there's some interesting things being presented in this movie, <laughs> but it is also still like. A, a garbage-pale kid farting off somebody's mustache at the yeah. end. Of the day, right? Yeah, it's still dumb and funny, right? yeah.
0: and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, There's right. nothing wrong with that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, you know,
1: you, you and you brought up Mac and Me, uh, Corey. You, when you were listing off some of the n- movies in the in the book, Mac and Me, for better or worse, uh, gets in this category of like, you know, Paul Rudd uses it as a bit now on Conan mm-hmm. O'Brien or whatever uh, talk show he's on, and and which is hilarious so people automatically associate it with that you know i remember seeing it as a kid when it first came out in the theater and it being a marketing tool for mcdonald's at the time and but it's but there's a heart to it as well and i mean i've watched it again recently and i think that's the beautiful thing about what corey and i do on our show is we when we revisit these movies from our childhood you know that we weren't supposed to see as kids but now watching it under under a different lens a more aware lens Uh, a more refined lens where we've done a little bit of research. We're a little bit, yeah, your prefrontal cortex is, (laughs) everything is changing (laughs) and you're in a different place in your life. Look, I saw street trash when I was a kid and I was like, oh yeah, show me that scene where they do keep away. And then now I watch it again recently. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm totally watching this from a different perspective now (laughs) because you've grown up, right? Uh, but your but your book does such a great job of writing that fine line of kind of covering all those bases. I can't say it enough. You guys did a great job with the book.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we that was definitely going into it. You know, we definitely wanted to give these movies a different type of attention. Now, you know, again, there there is not to say that Mac and Me is an underrated, you know, brilliant film. Some people might think that and that's totally fine. <laughs> I, I personally chose that movie because I think it's one of the greatest films of all time. Of how did, how did literally, how did this get made? Yeah. And like, why right? <laughs> did we need it? But just yes. the the fact that an entire generation of kids grew up watching this movie and like, you know, even if it just haunted your dreams, which for me, it did. It was a movie <laughs> that I saw at a sleepover that I did not forget about for the rest of my life. And it was the first opportunity I got to talk about it, which was with this book. And now Oh, of course, I'm it. talking about Mac and me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> exactly. So it's you know, it's it's just it's been it's been really fun getting to recontextualize stuff, but I also think that that's the beauty of being passionate about film, being critics, being, you know, having a critical analysis of just approaching art. It's always wanting to revisit something, look at it from a different lens, you know, well, maybe I didn't like that when I was a kid and now I watched it and it takes on a different meaning, or maybe I did watch it as a kid and I, you know, loved it and watch it now and it's kind of terrible, but I'm still kind of fascinated with what it's doing. I think that it's that, those are the things that we wanted to pick apart and kind of bring to the book and to the movies, because there's a lot of truly underrated gems in this book that are just movies that I am constantly like, someone should be sued because no one knows that this movie exists. Like someone should literally be sued for it. And then there's other movies that we talk about that I'm like, I am shocked if anybody appreciates me putting Xanadu or Mack and me in it, but I stand by (laughs) both of those films because they did something for me that a lot of other movies have not.
0: And, you know, like you you discover, quote unquote, discover a movie, discover it for yourself. You know what I mean? And there's there's, there's no greater joy sometimes than finding like a new favorite movie. Uh, You know, we'll watch a lot of stuff or I'll watch a lot of stuff in between recordings and everything to try to become a better, you know, critic of cult films and everything. But you know, sometimes you'll discover stuff that is, it's like your new favorite movie. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I was watching uh, 1979 Prophecy and I was like, I love this movie. You know, they, they bill it as an eco terror movie, but it's a freaking monster film hidden in there. and It's fantastic. And then I just watched uh, Soul Survivor per Zach's recommendation mm-hmm. uh, the other night. And uh, I was like, oh, my God it follows owes oh, so much to this movie and, and i'm like and i want to just yeah. just shout it from the rooftops now so there's also on the flip side of the coin of the discovery it's also the flip side of being like you know like if you give this to somebody and they find their new favorite like at least one of their new favorite oh, yeah. movies in this book that has to be a great feeling that you kind of like you know gave that to them you know that's the goal, right? <laughs>
2: That's yeah. the goal. That's the goal. That's ideally, you know, if if one person, you know, finds a movie that they go, oh my God, I've never heard of this movie before, but now this is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we've done our jobs. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, and so much of that is such an honor for me to even have that idea floated in our direction because, you know, I obviously grew up in that sort of pre-internet world of discovering cult movies, which required me to like, go to tower records and buy copies of like, you know, the psychotronic guide to film or Danny Perry's cult books and video hounds guide to cult movies. And it was just totally. like me, like, you know, putting post-it notes on pages and like marking things and yeah. things that I did have to go rent at the video <laughs> store. I and mean, it was just like such a analog process back then, but it's that thing of like, you know, if, if now we can do that for, somebody else like if now our book becomes the thing that you like dog ear and like underline i i can't imagine a better honor than that to be honest so yeah Yeah.
1: i just have to shout this out because i just saw it pop up on twitter um that 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 pam greer is going to be on the tcm um podcast right and getting
3: spotlighted Um, she's gonna be on. I think it's this fourth season of the plot thickens, which is basically like TCM's um, podcast. And um, I am personally so excited to to hear Same. what she has to say. Because basically, she's gonna just chronicle her life. And yep. um, so much of her films were a part of TCM Underground, and obviously, there's a there's at least one of them in the book. I think she's yeah yeah. Um, I think she's in Blackula too. Technically,
2: so yeah. maybe there's two.
3: Two movies. Um, but um or actually I don't even think she's I think she's in the second she's Blackula.
2: in she's in the second Black yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's only but, in yeah.
3: so she's only in one yeah. movie, I think, in the book. But the still, Friday Foster. I mean, yeah. Yes, I mean, Friday she,
2: Foster. Yeah.
3: She's a huge, huge influence on the franchise, so
2: a hundred percent. And that was the hard part too, because you know, you you can't have a cult movie book without a Pam Greer film. So it was kind of going through, okay, well, what have we shown? What movie needs to get talked about? Like what, you know, and I, I just think that with Friday Foster that's such a different performance from her and I just think she's able to be such a different character than what is constantly thought of with her so I'm really glad that you know we got to put that in the book but I'm even more just like completely astounded that she's going to be on the podcast it's it's been rumors for a while and I'm very upset that after I left TCM that it happened but I'm glad (laughs) better better now than never but yeah she is just an idol like it is truly amazing
1: yeah I will say um there there was something that happened a couple of years ago where someone reported that the actor Wings Hauser had died, and he was very much alive and so Corey and I got on this kick of wanting to celebrate the movies that he's been in because they're much more diverse than all horror, all action it's It's a wide range, and we had the opportunity to interview him uh, a, a couple months back and just tremendous honor because I think he's one of those guys that does not get appreciated for his overall body of work. But then you look at someone like Pam Greer, who I remember seeing her in Jackie Brown and after not seeing her on screen for a while and just thought that's my favorite Quentin Tarantino film, by the way. And and it's just like falling in love with the idea, like cherishing her, cherishing Robert Forrester, by the way, too, and who's who's a legendary actor, rest in peace. And you get to see these icons. And I think. Again, that's another thing that your book has done so well because you're spotlighting or you're you're making it known that there's some really A-list actors, quote unquote, A-li- when I say A-list, I just mean very a very talented actor. And and people that you wouldn't expect in some of these movies, and it's so great that you're able to pull that out. I think again, like you brought up earlier, this guy, this is going to be a book that people buy and 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 discover at least one movie that they've never seen before. They're going to watch it and go, wow, that was, I can see why that is a must-see movie and I'm going to watch it again and again. I think you're definitely hitting the mark uh, and, and bravo.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's truly oh an honor to hear. Thank you so much.
0: And now, uh, so the book is a TCM Underground, 50 must-see films from the world of classic cult and late night cinema. This episode is airing on Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody! Hope Happy y'all are having fun. <laughs> <Hey>. um. <laughs> um, but is the we got an early copy of this? Is the
2: book uh, available as of now? Uh, is it out there for for purchase? As of now, it is available for pre order on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. But it officially uh, releases October twenty fifth.
0: Okay, really? so by the time this yes. airs, everyone can yes. go out there and, and grab yes. it. Uh, there will be a uh, link uh, to probably, well, I'll figure it out where, but either Amazon or whatever. But there will be a link in the show notes. Um, and then we'll put in links uh, to any other projects that you all are both working on. Uh, Millie, do you have anything you would like to, to plug?
3: Well, besides the Underground, which is still chugging along every uh, Friday night at 2 a.m., Technically Saturday morning on Turner Classic Movies, um, but also I do a podcast myself called "I Saw What You Did," um, and it's on the exactly right network. Comes out every Tuesday, so check it out if you can. And nice. What
0: do you, What do you discuss on the the podcast?
3: Oh, we're a movie podcast. You know how that goes. We're <laughs> yes, yes, every, we do. <laughs> uh, it's myself and uh, my friend Daniel Henderson, who is a TV writer and we, it's a double features podcast. So we do um, every week we do a double feature based on a theme because I'm obsessed with themes. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we, and, and the themes are always like totally out there, you know? I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, very standard, like here's our, here's an actor that we like or something, but sometimes it's truly like very specific to who Danielle and I are as people. So yeah check
0: it out we like our themes here uh, by the time you all are listening to this you know our halloween theme was uh sort of loosely created because we reviewed the guest and then we reviewed um halloween three season of the witch the mm. connection being the guest they're well they're both at halloween but the guest had a lot of uh season of the witch references in it and everything and uh boy oh boy i love that movie the guest is so freaking good that is that I, zach and i both consider that a quintessential modern cult film yeah it's a modern cult classic
2: I still haven't seen that. I've got to add it to the oh. list.
0: Oh, it's so good. And That's a Dan yeah.
3: Stevens movie. Is yep. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's, I it's remember a Dan when Stevens that came joint. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, he we went from Downton Abbey to The Guest. And, wow.
0: and he's so, he's so good in it. It's it's, a, it's amazing. A high, we both highly, highly recommend it. Um, Toya, do you have anything uh, you'd like to plug into what you're going got, What you have going on out there?
2: Yeah, uh, I will just plug TCM Slumberground. Ground. Uh, go down YouTube, type it in, go watch all the episodes. Uh, that was just a labor of love to create. And I'm very happy that it is continuing to do wonders and just have amazing guests and talk about great films that are coming on TCM Underground. Um, also, if you're interested in what I write, uh, check out my blog, thecinephiliac.com. Uh, I just muse a lot. I ramble a lot. I just talk about the things that I want to talk about, which is awesome. Uh, And then I'm always telling people, follow me on Letterboxd. I absolutely love Letterboxd. It's my favorite social media platform. So come talk about movies with me there. Listen to my rant. Well, read my rants. And then, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. comment. Uh, Just, yeah, come hang out.
0: I've been finding myself spending more time on Letterboxd uh, lately than any other social media app. I've uh, been very much enjoying the the growing community there. Uh, we use it for podcasting after dark to create a list of, of every single movie that we've reviewed like in order. And then I'll put the the links into there, but then I have a personal one where I kind of keep a, a log and everything about what movies. And that's, it's fun kind of actually seeing what movies you've been watching and, and stuff like that. So yeah, Letterboxd style. I, they always champion that social media platform i think it's fantastic and uh, like i said i'll have all the links uh in the show notes but please 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 everybody go out there pick up a copy of tcm underground 50 must-see films from the world of classic cult and late night cinema by amelia de Chirico and katoya murray Thank you both so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you both so much for, for rescheduling. We had a little bit of a hiccup last week. This was this was perfect. This turned out fantastic. And uh, this was great. And, and it's a great book. It really is, uh, you know, seriously. Like, I'm not just blowing smoke or anything like that. This is a fantastic book. Um, I personally recommend it and I will, I've read a lot of it already. And when I'm done with it, I think the highest compliment I can give is I'm going to start giving it to people to like, Read, like, hand out and yes. borrow and be like, Look, books should be, you know, given outwards and everything like that. But of course, yeah. go pick up a copy, go support these ladies <laughs> yeah, yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah. go support dcm <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course, Aww. disregard everything I just said. <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: do everything anyway. you said. Definitely buy the book, but then just <laughs> give, it- give a copy to a friend and have them buy it. Treat it as a pyramid scheme. Just-
3: <laughs> <laughs> hand it out on Halloween, you know what? Yeah, exactly.
1: kids don't need candy, exactly. just start giving them these books. Come on, read something, kids. And, and it's an early Christmas present. How about an early Christmas present for exactly. sure? Exactly. Exactly. One of my favorite things to do on Christmas was open up and get a movie book. So yes. you know, oh, there's some great there pictures in there too. And yeah, you guys were fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And th- this has been a real honor to have you on. And really, our uh, not our first author for, per se, but definitely our first co-authors. <laughs> and uh, you know, this Yay. book needs to be on everybody's bookshelf, everybody's coffee table everybody's uh whatever you whatever you want to wherever you put your books get this book and put it there
0: That's
2: yeah right. put it in the put it in the, the toilet with you do what you gotta do <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, great read it was super fun to write and i'm just completely honored to even be here thank you guys for having us this is wonderful um I'm, I'm very excited about this book coming out yeah thank we you.
3: really appreciate the support i mean it means a lot to us that other movie people like the book so we're just yeah. so honored to be on here talking with you guys about it. Cause uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. So I'm glad that um, you guys have uh, read the book and enjoy it. So
0: oh, thank you. Thank you all so thank much. You. And uh, so definitely go check out TCM underground 50 must-see films from the world of classic cult and late night cinema. So thank you both so much. And uh, as always, we'll, we'll catch, catch you on,
3: you on the, the dark, dark side.
2: side. <laughs> yes.
3: From two different countries, baby.
2: Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with Millie DeChirico and Quitoya Murray. And, as always, thank you for your support.